Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, today's episode is all about stress, a mini stroke, and creating inner peace on purpose with C. Renee Washington. Because as you know, midlife is not for the faint of heart. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor, and I am so glad to be here with you again. But just quick, before I get into this amazing episode, if you want to find out more about how to get unstuck and live your best life in the middle, head on over to www.susierosenstein.com forward slash 10 questions and grab your free copy of my 10 insightful questions to reimagine your life after 50. Okay, let me tell you about who I'm interviewing today. My guest is C. Renee Washington, an amazing midlife woman who learned a huge lesson from stress and a mini stroke. She ended up getting a divorce, leaving corporate two years before retirement, remarrying and becoming an entrepreneur. She became a woman who chose to do very hard things for inner peace, health, and happiness. C. Renee is a master certified life coach, author, speaker, and midlife maven. She's also the author of the book, Take the Trip, Four Journeys Every Midlife Woman Needs to Live in Purpose and Freedom. And C. Renee is known around the world for proclaiming, living, and coaching women to adopt her favorite mantra, let that shit go. <laughs> She's been featured several times on the morning talk show, Talk of Alabama, and in B Metro magazine. When she's not coaching clients, you can find her hanging with her favorite person and hubby, watching juicy TV dramas, or cooking up fun ways to connect with her girlfriend crew, the Vivas. You can also catch her podcast, Midlife Woman Redefined. Now, I also know our guest today personally, and boy, have we had some fun together over the years. We overlapped in a business mastermind, and we continue to happily bump into each other professionally on the regular today. So without further ado, I can't wait for you to dive into this interview. Please enjoy. Hey there, C. Renee. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast. Hey, Susie. So happy to be here. Oh my gosh. I was so excited to have you on and so looking forward to this. We met way back in 2018 in a business mastermind group where yes. I believed we overlapped for the whole year together. Absolutely. And there were three retreats in that mastermind. So we had fun all over the United States. Yes, we did. And that just seems like such a lifetime ago. It does. Yeah. It re- oh, my gosh. And one one time in particular, uh, was it North Carolina or South Carolina, where we were eating ice cream, walking all over the place? South Carolina, Charleston. <laughs> yes. Oh, retreats like that are so much fun. That one so was fun. really great. Now, I just knew that you would have so much to share with the women in the middle. And of course, I was excited to have some fun with you while we take a deep dive into some really important midlife topics. But the way we're going to talk about them, it just shows so much light and possibility. So these are important topics. And you, my friend, have done some really hard things. And it is so important for midlife women to hear this stuff to know that they're not alone. So one of the main ways I love to get these interviews started, let's go back to your 40s and talk about what the heck was going on, because a lot goes down in people's 40s. 
Oh, yeah. The, the 40s, uh, when I thought I was losing my mind, mm. <laughs> literally, yes. And, you know, it can sound a little cliche, you know, that midlife crisis thing. And I, I don't really claim the crisis part, although it did feel like that at the time. But now I think of it as an evolution. And mm. um, so in my mid 40s, I was 45. And it, it had been now when I can look back, I can, you know, see that it was creeping up on me the pat probably the previous couple of years but in my 45th year I really just started feeling all out of sorts and I um, had been in a, a career for um, 20 something years in a marriage for 20 something years and and both were had been really going really well and then bam I wanted to be out of both of them it was the mm. weirdest thing to me and I really wanted to physically disappear. You know, I just, I was like, if I could just be bewitched and just <laughs> twitch my nose and be gone. <laughs> I think about Samantha Stevens all the time. All the that time. Superpower. <laughs> yes, that was just the best. Oh my gosh. And so I, you know, I was the type of person back then who very private, I'm a private person, but not like I was then. I was extremely private. I was the one that people came to for help and advice. I didn't go to other people because I just, life was pretty good. I didn't you know who am I to complain. And so when all this was coming down on me, it was just a time of confusion, trying to figure it out on my own, which was not good. I do not recommend. I mean, I wasn't sleeping. I probably went a year with maybe one or two hours of sleep. Oh my God. Uh, but you yeah, know what? It's, it's it it doesn't surprise me that you that confusion was the first thing you brought up because that's how I felt too. I had never been so confused. Yes. It was weird. Yes, when I had been so the opposite. Exactly. I'm like, why can't I figure this out? What is wrong with me? I've I've never been like this before. Everything was so murky. And I didn't know anything about coaching. I just didn't even know what to do or right. who to get help from. Yeah, I didn't either. And finally, I um, went to just for my annual GYN appointment. And I said to her, now this, and I'm not, a, I'm not a person who does anything with a doctor other than, you know, it's just a real quick in and out thing. But for some reason, I said to her, uh, you know, I feel like I'm losing my mind. I want, I want to quit my job and I want to divorce my husband. And she said, okay, hold on. And she uh, ran some tests and she came back and she told me that I was in full-blown menopause. Mm. And that's, those are exact words. You're in full-blown menopause. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the only thing I knew about menopause was hot flashes. Right. And I wasn't having hot flashes, but I was having emotional flashes. And, you know, menopause has just been such a mystery. And even today, you don't hear a lot about it. We don't really get a lot of information about it other than hot flashes or midlife crisis or whatever. Um, and I I'm a book girl. So, OK, now I've got a diagnosis. Let me go start reading about <laughs> it. Yeah. And I, I found this book. The Wisdom of Menopause. Back then, um, I read that book and I got one thing out of it, that this is the stage of life where women who 
typically are the nurturers and caretakers, um, tenders and befrienders that we have done a lot of suppressing because we are so focused on nurturing other people. And we have pushed down a lot of things about ourselves. And when you get to this stage of life and the hormones start rearranging, then this is the time when you have to address what's been suppressed. And that clicked for me because I knew that there were some things that I had not been addressing. And right after that, like two weeks after that, because when I um, was, when she told me that she said, well, you know, we can put you on this hormone. Uh, and, you know, I was like, okay. So I thought this would, would help me. And I thought that it was a phase that I would just get through and mm. I would get back to who I was. Right. <laughs> Miss Superwoman. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's not what happened. Uh, two weeks, a, a few weeks later, I, um, it was a Monday morning. My husband had already gone. I was at the house by myself getting ready for work. And I just get this little thing in my eyes, like a little dizziness. And I was like, okay. And I was standing up, but it was that feeling like sometimes when you get up too fast, it was that kind of feeling. Hmm. But I was standing up and I was just like, well, that was weird. But I didn't, it didn't really resonate with me. And I just kept getting ready, going to work. I got in the car, driving to work. And I didn't, I lived about five miles um, from work. And I called a girlfriend to, and got her voicemail tried to leave her a message and I could hear my speech sounding garbled. Wow. I, was like, as I said, well, that's odd. And I kind of laughed and said, I don't know what's going on, but I'll call you back and, and try again. So called back, same garbled. So I get to work and it's early, it's before eight o'clock. So there was only one other, pe- one other person in the department who happened to sit right next to me. And so I started talking to him through our office walls. And he couldn't understand me. So I said, well, I'll just come around. And, and, and I went around and looked him in the face and couldn't get the words out. And then it, I got scared. And I, cause I, I'm thinking he must think I'm drunk or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my. So I go back to my office. My sister happened to work at the same company I did. I call her and I say, something's wrong. And she said, get to the health office right now. Well, I was not in the main building. I was down the hill from the main building. I got in the car, drove myself up to the main building and got to the health office. Now, by the time I get there, I feel normal again. So the, the, the woman who ran the head nurse, she was doing all these checks on me. So I'm just waiting for her to tell me it was just, you know, something stress or something and go home, get some rest. She comes back and she says, you're in the midst of having a major stroke and I've called the ambulance is coming to get you. And I said, I'm not getting in an ambulance. I'm fine. She said, no, you are not fine. And my girlfriend had come down. My sister was there. They wanted to take me to the hospital. She said, no, absolutely not. Not only is it a company liability, she said, um, she could really go into this stroke and you wouldn't know what to do. So I get put in this ambulance, taken to the hospital, even the ambulance driver. I'm sweating. I'm sweating. It it was, it was the weirdest thing, Susie. Even the ambulance driver was like, oh, you just, cause it was a Monday. So he said, oh, you just had, you partied too much this weekend. You just want some time (laughs) off. Cause I looked like I was okay. (laughs) Wow. And we get to the hospital 
The neurologist comes out and she says, yes, you're having a stroke. We're admitting you. And I was in the hospital for five days. They ran all these tests on me, never could tell me why I threw the clot. They said that because, you know, I did not have high blood pressure. I was not overweight. I didn't have diabetes. I didn't have any of the triggers for stroke. And when I was laying on that gurney, when they were waiting to be admitted, I, the first thing that came to me was, you've got to get out of your marriage. That was the first thing that came to me. Because a few weeks before that, I had just been going through this thing about, do I stay? Do I go? Do I stay? You know, and it was complicated because my sister and I had married brothers. So Mm. our families were intermingled. It was going to be a whole thing if I opted out. Wow. And so I had decided don't do it. Just stick it out. Just stay. And then when that happened, I was like, you can't stay. You can't stay. And when they couldn't give me a physical reason for having the stroke, I knew it was stress. Wow. And so, but then, you know, as we do these big major life decisions, I didn't leave the hospital and get divorced. I left the hospital and went in like, I'm going to save my marriage, (laughs) you know, And and so at that point, I had tried to go to counseling with him before he didn't want to go. Um, But after that, he was like, "Okay, yes, I'll go. So we did all these counseling interventions and all of that. And I knew that nothing was going to fix what had happened. And my husband was not a a bad person. He was a great guy. He was um, somebody that you know, when you say we've outgrown each other, it, mm. that truly happened. I had mm. changed. I had changed. And, and I knew that he was who he was. It wasn't about him. You know, he, you know, it, it wasn't even fair of me to try to get him to be somebody different. Mm. The paradigm we had set up in our relationship, I pretty was mistake control. I kind of ran things. He was cool with that. Life was great. you know. Wow. But I, at that stage of my life, it, that became so weighty and so burdensome. I couldn't do it anymore. Mm. I couldn't carry it anymore. And so a year later I was divorced. Well, you know, I, you know, like I said, I was like, I want to quit my job and and get a divorce. Well, I couldn't quit my job because now I'm taking (laughs) care of myself. (laughs) And so that gave me some, some fumes to keep going um, for a while longer in the, in the career, but, you know, a few, some, some years, probably that was, I got divorced in 2006. In 2011, things were getting worse. You know, I, I, it it was, that was bubbling back up again that I just, you know, wanted to leave. And I was um, a few years away from official retirement Mm. and I was just trying my best to hang on. And then in um, October of 2011, my mom died unexpectedly. Mm. She had a pulmonary embolism. And it was so odd because when I had the the TIA years earlier, uh, you know, there was this like this kind of joke in the family. Like if if something happened, um, if I had some kind of medical condition or something, I would say, I got that from you, mom. And but when I had the TIA, she said, well, you didn't get that from me. I've never had a clot problem. And then mm. clots killed her. Wow. I mean, she was, you know, I had talked to her twice the day before 
it was just the weirdest thing. And it took me out, not just me, everybody who knew her, but I'm a mama's girl. And I just couldn't believe that that had happened. And it just was a huge shift for me. You know how we say life is short. Yeah. After that happened, I now I say life is arbitrary. Mm. Um, I started paying attention to who lived and who died. And, you know, I would see people who would, um, you know, jump off a building and, and survive and just all these weird kind of things or, or, you know, other people who had pulmonary embolisms, but it didn't kill them. And I, I, I you know, and I, you know, I would, if I did a, a, a talk or something, I would uh, joke that the Rolling Stones at that time, they were all, all still alive then. And I would say, you know, the Rolling Stones are still rolling. They're still rocking out and they're still rolling. They've lived these lives of doing any and everything. And they are still in their 60s and 70s, still rocking out. And my mother's dead. That makes no sense to me, you know? So it was just an odd thing. Um, And I started thinking more and more about that, about time and, you know, uh, how arbitrary it is. And I had started keeping this list at work of things I liked about my job and things I didn't. And I, like I said, most of the years there, I, I mean, I, I worked for a blue cross plan and I bled blue. I mean, I was all in, but then it changed. Yeah. And by this time I had um, gotten involved with someone else and, and <laughs> we were engaged and he said to me, um, Cause I, I told him, I said, I'm praying every day for my attitude to shift so I can stay two more years. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, I prayed, I said, I pray and I pray. And I just, it just keeps getting worse. I don't understand what God is doing. And he said, maybe God is packing your bags. And I was like, wow, packing my bags. And, you know, people, my friends would say, you can't just hold out too much. I don't think I can. I don't think I can. And I will take a risk, but I take calculated risk. And so I had been talking to a financial planner and he would say, no, you need to stay. You need to stay. So this finally, I had just reached the end of my rope and I said, okay, this is it. I'm going to see him. And I'm not asking, I'm telling him. This is the plan. We need to make a plan for (laughs) this plan. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. And I walk in there and say, okay, I'm ready to go. And he just said, okay, you can go. <laughs> Path cleared. <laughs> Bags packed. <laughs> wow. And I turned in my resignation. Um, my manager held on to it until the day I left. You know, she's, you know, people didn't believe I was really going to leave, but I did. And uh, I had looked up, I'm a word person. So I looked up the word retire and it, you know, we have this perception that some entity has to designate your retirement. Retirement simply means you work somewhere and you no longer do. That's, I mean, you know, there's, there was no time limit on it or anything. And I realized that while I had been at the company, that in the 20 years I'd been there, they had changed the retirement criteria three times. Susan. Wow. Three times. And I, and that struck me. I said, wow, I am letting something outside of me decide the trajectory of my life. Why am I doing that? And why were you doing it? 
there was no good reason because, you know, it was a big should, you know, I, you know, I'm coaching clients. I talk a lot about shoulds and, and, you know, and, you know, we live under so many shoulds that there's just so ingrained. We don't even realize, and you shouldn't leave your job before they say you can leave. Right. And especially women our age, because yes, it's very different now. But for us, it was the gold yes. standard to stay in some place for right. a long time. Exactly. I was 53. And when I left, I didn't have a plan other than I had to get out. That was the only plan. I and used I, to fantasize know. about it. I used to think if they would just package me out. And then when I got laid off, it it felt so harsh and so shocking. And like you, there was nothing wrong with my job. Yeah. I was just there way too long. And I know, for me, yeah. it was also 45 to 50. Yeah. And it was it was very strange. And I remember getting laid off and feeling like that meeting filled with people that uh, I didn't know so well. The union reps were there and the head, you know, the people in charge. And and I felt I felt sick to my stomach. My heart was racing. But I knew I kept hearing this voice. This is a gift. This is a gift. This is a gift. Even though I didn't have a clue what I was going to do and how I was going to manage it. But I knew objectively it was a good thing. But still the emotional part of it, the fear. It's hard. Yeah. It's very hard. Yeah. You know, the the bag lady um, nightmare is real. Uh, I'm a bag lady under a bridge. That's mine with the shopping cart. Oh, my gosh. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. But that, that the fear is that, you know, it's the fear that we had when we were 20s where we didn't have means. We didn't have any investments. We didn't have any assets. But now at our age, we have things. It's not, I know. Yeah. And I'm not left, likely I had, to happen. Exactly. I did have a pension. Um, you know, I had a pension and. You know, I, I just trusted that I would figure it out that, you know, the yes. next thing, you know, I knew I wasn't done working, um, but I knew, I just I just trusted that the next thing would come. And that next year I just I was I had been involved in the art museum here and had gotten in this group and they did a lot of traveling around. So that next year I was just going here and there, you know, just having a good time. And people kept reaching out for coaching. I, you know, I was in HR management during my career and uh, coached um, a lot of, of, of executives and professionals. And, you know, I ran the soft skills training program and the management training program. So I did a lot of in-house um, advising and coaching and mentoring and people would still reach out. And I had looked at um, a, a life coach training program. Um, because, you know, and just had looked at it. But when people kept re- reaching out, I said, well, you know, maybe I'll do this and just see what happens. I still wasn't planning to start a business. I just was curious. Let me just I'll just keep up my skills and see what happens. And, you know, long story short, I went through that program and uh, graduated a year later. I was kind of in and out. And so I came to this uh come to Jesus moment. Okay. Are you going to going to treat this like a hobby or are you going to go all in? Right. And I went to Susan Hyatt's clear coaches program. She had in Savannah to get clear mm-hmm. and I decided to, you know, to go all in. And ever since then, that was in 2016 because I became a coach in 2015. And ever since then, 
I've been in this coaching lane and, um, you know, trying to work things out and having a good time and helping a lot. You know, I decided to focus on women, you know, as we're similar, we coach women in midlife transition. And I have just been so amazed at not only how life transitioned for me, but as you know, the um, the the impact that we are able to have in the lives of other women. I, you know, I just I never would have imagined that. I know we need each other. We need to if you're called to do this work. Yes. Like, honestly, this is the most fulfilled I've ever been. Absolutely. Right. And if you're called and, and it you just don't realize the impact because when we were so miserable and stuck and didn't see any way forward and had no clarity, um, we weren't in the right community to get help. You know, exactly. I, even though I was in a helping job, I didn't know how to get the help Dang. I needed. And yeah, and I think I trained, I got laid off in 2013 and I, I started getting training in 2014. And so it's really no wonder we both ended up yeah, they parallel, yeah. yeah, with the same mentors. And I guess the other thing, I also didn't think of it as a business right away. I just wanted to get trained and get good. I wanted to get good at it. Yeah. You know, exactly. and but then you're in a community all of a sudden full of entrepreneurs who are doing hard things. And so all of a sudden you see, you know, oh, maybe this is possible. I know. You're like, charge money. I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) The thing I love about your story, though, is that, you know, burnout and stress, like you really resisted the burnout. Oh, gosh. Yes. And and then you ended up, you know, you you were single. So you the the path of least resistance and survival was to stay with what you knew and and just stay salaried and whatever. But really, it was stress in both of those situations in in your marriage and in burnout that that wreaked havoc in your life. Yeah. And that's when I really clicked into that stress really can kill you. Yeah. I can't tell you, Susie, whenever I see a story about someone who's had a stroke, you know, and and you're looking at me. So, you know, I don't you can't look at me and tell that I had a stroke. No. Uh, and I am always so grateful that it wasn't worse than it, than it was, that it was truly for me, it was a warning, a warning and a wake up call. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. A warning and a wake up call. And, and after that, you know, I was on, um, blood thinners and, you know, I was on this mission to get off the blood thinners <laughs> and, um, I, it was just this, this new focus on, Yes, I'm a controlling person, but I then my control was around learning how to release control. I mean, I wanted to to control what was what I could, but then release the rest because holding on to what you really can't control, I saw how negatively impactful that can be. And the the burnout and the the stress of the marriage you know, trying to make something because, you know, I think it's Eckhart Tolle that defines stress as wanting what is to be different. And so that acknowledging that, okay, for whatever reason, because I was blindsided by the 
marriage going south. I just never, I was, I always thought I was married for life. So interesting. Always. I was the one I used to say to my husband um, that if anybody leaves this marriage, we'll be in a pine box. I mean, I used to say that because I really (laughs) was like all in, like we are married for life. And so when I got blindsided by it and um, that things were, were no longer good and, you know, went a couple of years of trying to figure that out on my own before he even really even knew anything was going on. So yes, he was blindsided. When I left, let me tell you, you know, I was miss, miss, we were in the church, we were in the marriage um, enrichment group and all of that, you know? So when I left, I was the bitch. Yeah. He was the good guy. Yeah. Because I wasn't telling people. I didn't, you know, I didn't explain to people what had happened. Uh, And so I just let people think whatever they wanted to think. Mm. And so all of that was really, really hard. Wow. And it was absolutely necessary. You know, even my even my mother didn't understand why I got the divorce. I, you know, it was it was a really painful thing between us for a while. Thank God that, you know, all we got, we got all past that before um, she she died. But it was a hard, hard time. And um, leaving the job, um, you know, it was that was hard from a, um, you know, how you, I, by that time, since I had gone through all the stuff with the divorce, I had lost a lot of caring about what other people thought. Mm. Uh, but still, you know, I'm leaving a paradigm that had supported me for many years and that I fit into. Um, and so now I was out, you know, just divorced, no longer a part of the institution. <laughs> You know, and just trying to, you know, figure it all out, you know, you know, and so I, I, I do now think of life in chapters. Um, mm-hmm. And I did get a little of that from my mom because she was very, uh, you know, focused on me and my sister. You know, she went to work and she took care of us. And then um, when we were uh, grown and gone, then she started, you know, doing some things for herself. Um, but I, I didn't, you know, she had, she had it all planned out, but I didn't, I didn't really know what the next thing was going to be. So, yeah. Well, that's a beautiful part of your story too, because most of us want it all tied up in a nice little pretty bow and we want the certainty, but if the pandemic has shown us anything, I know there's no certainty. There is no, yeah. And I, and I, and I, I do not want to lose that. Because the big lesson to me, this thing of, no, I can't do this. No, the pandemic, if it didn't show us anything else, if the whole world, the entire world can shut down. Right. Shocking. Yes. Something we would have never thought. Nobody could have made made us believe that the entire world, not just a city, a town, a state, the entire world shut down then yes, you can do whatever you want to do. I just, um, you know, coached a woman earlier today who um, is a voice teacher. She teaches people to connect to their voice. 
And um, she talked about not um, having um, been on stage, having a stage career because she wanted to raise her children. And now it's too late. Now that, you know, that I said, what? (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) Tell me why you think that. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. We just believe. Yeah. We just oh my gosh, so stuff. many things are possible. You know, the creativity that has come out of these COVID years of mm. businesses having to, you know, re reconfigure and, and recreate and do things differently. We can do that for ourselves. You know, we absolutely can do that for ourselves. Yeah. The other thing that you said that really struck me, I felt the same way when I was in it, is thinking that the answers are outside of ourselves. That yes. you know, somebody else will determine your retirement plan and somebody yes. else will tell you when that chapter is complete and you should yes. open up the next chapter, right? I always think, and I'm always looking out here right to the right to my window. I always thought my smarter friends would know what I should do. <laughs> like, I'm just going to look that way and somebody smarter than me would tell me what to do. I really didn't believe that I knew what I wanted because, you know, because of that programming and the way you habitually yes. think about opportunity and, and all of the crap about aging and yes. doors closing when really personally, I've never had so many doors open. I know it's crazy. Right? Yeah. Th- this truly is the time of life where yes, doors open and we can listen to the external message of I can remember I can remember uh Susie uh, I'm a TV fanatic and so one of my um great experiences in life was in America we have the the Nielsen ratings yes uh, yeah so I became a Nielsen raider <gasps> yes I was a Nielsen raider so <laughs> I did that for a few years and then the next time I re-upped they sent it back and they said oh we're done with you because they do 18 to 49. Oh. And I'm like, what? That's weird. TV than people over 50 and we have money. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I know that was just like, what? <laughs> but the world tries to tell us that we are no longer relevant. Mm-hmm. And yet. Every day I see stories about, and I'm, you know, I'm woman focused, but it's men too. Every day I see stories about people over 50 doing all these incredible things. Yeah. It's amazing. It's really just what you want to believe. Yeah. It's a choice. And that's why, again, it's so important to be with other women because you need to see examples of what's possible and see what other people are doing and the way other people work out problems and and how they handle fear and you realize there there's more than one way to go about it absolutely and you get to meet so many awesome people i wouldn't have met you if i had just um retired come to the house you know <laughs> sit around you know <laughs> you know if i had just said okay it's over i've, I've worked my 20 plus years and because i worked almost i've worked 28 years I, you know, that, okay, I'm done. You know, I'll just sit around and, you know, whatever, putter around. No, 
No, and, just- and believe me, and in, in doing what we do, like the, the business part of it, uh, becoming a good coach is separate from being yes. a good entrepreneur or yes, successful absolutely. or how, however you define it exactly. for yourself. And I found that to be an incredibly challenging learning curve, Same. very challenging in, and not all bad, but just like, you really have to blow your mind. You have to do hard yeah. things. You have to be creative. You have to be persistent. Get past um, mindset stuff. Oh, yeah. so many things, so many things. But the other thing that I love about your story is that you were always on the right path. If you think about not, okay, not the menopause and not the mini stroke, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you were always on the right path, even though you didn't know that you'd be here doing this now. Everything so you did, your career path, the way you helped people in the, corp- in, yeah. in the corporate yeah. sector, yeah. like all of it. And that same experience was for me, like even in grad school, what I did trained me and gave me skills that I use now. So I love, um, I want to talk about your book a little bit. It's called take the trip Four journeys. Every midlife woman needs to live in purpose and freedom. And one of your chapters is to take a trip to trust yourself. Yes. And that's really, I think that is so important because so many of us don't trust ourselves and to even trust that your journey is valuable to your future, to really appreciate that your past and your accomplishments and your work experience and your life experience is relevant for whatever it is that you're moving toward. And that's a, that's a mind blowing concept. And most people are ready to, like you said, to disappear, to discount all of it and start fresh and new, but starting fresh and new is so so enhanced by your experience and your journey thus far. Oh, I said thus. Don't I sound fancy to say thus? Yes, we are fancy. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's so true because one of my coaching mantras is nothing is wasted. Mm, nothing is wasted. It. And I so believe that because yes, I live it and I see it in the clients that I work with. Nothing is wasted. I, you know, and I, I had to um, because, you know, I was when I was so burned out and left corporate, I was like, nothing that looks like corporate can ever come my way again. Right. That's that's a mistake because it it has taken all of the past experience, the good, the bad, the ugly to. Yeah, it's true. Make us who we are today. And we are still in the midst of the journey to becoming whoever it is that we want to become. Exactly. Chapter. And we don't just forget all that came for no we use we, we take what we learn from that you know I, and i i don't regret you know we, if you ask me um how many years have you been married i'll tell you i've been married um almost 30 years because you know i'm on i'm on the second marriage and final marriage i count those years plus the the first marriage years you know all of that yeah. informs who I am. So yes, I and and all of that it you know the more you can um, acknowledge and own that that is that is the path to trusting that inner compass that we all have and trusting right. ourselves. And that's so important. I want to um, just briefly go over those other journeys that you identified in your book because they're so good. Trip 
to surrender. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is, this, that's my favorite because it's the work that I do daily. Um, you know, I um, am a person of faith and, you know, because I was such a control fanatic, you know, I, I, I just ground myself daily in surrendering to God's will for my life, because what I've come to learn is that, uh, yes, I, you know, we do little things, you know, I push the button and we're here together. So yes, I did control <laughs> that, yeah. but the, yeah, the little things, yes, I can control, but then the, the outcomes is, you know, for me, surrendering is about detaching from outcome. I can put, do the steps, take the actions, and I have to surrender the outcome to something greater than me because I can't control outcomes. You know, just imagine how much less stress you, you feel with that approach. Yes. Yeah. So much less. So we've got trip to trust yourself, trip to surrender and trip to loving myself. Yes. Yes. So, uh, you know, one of the things, you know, I'm a, I'm a bear certified coach, you know, that's Susan Hyatt's program about, uh, body positivity and, and treating yourself well. Uh, and the, the loving myself, because again, you know, from a societal perspective, from a familial perspective, from a um, peer perspective, we could get all this negative messaging about who we are um, and, you know, who we are not. And, you know, loving myself, you know, I, you know, I am a uh, 62 year old black woman, you know, I identify as, as female. And so there are a lot of things that come attached to that from being black, from being a woman, uh, you know, being, you know, being all kinds of things that, that people put all this stuff on you. And so again, you know, that going in and always being grounded from an internal perspective of, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am here for a purpose. And, and so, you know, focusing in on that internal perspective of who I am, as opposed to who other people say that I am, oh, yeah. that is the, the key to staying grounded in loving myself. And the loving myself is active. It's not, I just don't think, oh, I'm wonderful. No, it's how I treat myself. You know, what I allow myself to to listen to, to read, to consume, you know, from a, you know, sustenance perspective to um, TV, uh, news, whatever, you know, the people, the relationships that are in my life, all of that connects to those choices that I make demonstrate how, I, how much I love myself. Oh, that's so good. I, yeah, I, I love that you pointed it out, how active it has to be. You are so right. And then the fourth trip, I really smile when I think about this one. We have so much in common here. Yes. A trip to passion. Yes. So you love celebrating your birthday, too. I do. I love it. Yes. So tell us, what did you do for your 50th? Because it's fabulous. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, I was so excited about turning 50, Susie, you know, because in my mind at that time, I thought, OK, 50 is it. When you get to 50, <laughs> You know, life is you you got it together. If you don't have it together by the time you turn 50, life is over. So <laughs> I was <laughs> celebrating and I started, I celebrated for 18 months. And I that's started, the best part. <laughs> <laughs> I started the uh um uh 
the six months before and went through the entire year of 50 celebrating. And I, you know, I went to the Oprah show twice. I, um, I, uh, had this eat dessert first party where that's all we had was dessert. We had it at a wine <laughs> club and every, I mean, I had a whole table full of candy and, and cookies and all kinds of stuff. We had cakes. Oh my gosh. I took my girlfriends to, uh, a, on a beach trip and just, I did anything. I went, me and my mom did a lot of, thank God we did a lot of trips together. We went to the Savannah home show and mm. home tour. She went to the Oprah show with me on one of those trips. And so it's just, just celebrate any, any excuse, anything I want to do. Like it's my birthday. I'm turning 50. <laughs> I, did it. I did it. And I ended it. I ended the celebrating 50 the night before the day before I turned 51 mm. and I had a parade for myself in a local park. I don't know if you know about the second lines um, in Louisiana, but in new Orleans, they have the processions. Typically they're connected to funerals, but also other um, celebrations. And you have the first line is the musicians. And then everybody else is behind the musicians dancing and following them. So I, me and my girlfriend, she's from Louisiana. She found musicians. We hired these three musicians, went to a local park, had my girlfriends. Um, my mom was there. One of my girlfriend's mom was there. And we danced around the park the, the night before, <laughs> before I turned 51. And then I took them all to dinner. And what was so cool uh, this woman from a condo building across from the park, her grandson looked out the window and said, grandma, there's a second line in the park. Well, she was from Louisiana and she came and jumped in the line with <laughs> us. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. And then when I turned 60, Susie, I took, uh, I think it was 12 of us took my girlfriends. We went to, um, Paris, there's a lot. We went to Sarlat in the Dordogne Valley in France, and we went to Marrakesh. And it was uh, this travel agent had planned this this trip called In Search of Josephine, In Search of Josephine Baker. And so we were going to these different places oh, where oh Josephine gosh. had been. And uh, so we, you know, this was a travel agent's trip, but my me and my crew, we we were the majority of the people on the. Um, <laughs> on it. And I mean, we had a blast and I surprised my girlfriends in Paris. We, um, I did for my birthday celebration, I did a, a, a riverboat cruise down the Seine river. So they knew about that, but what they didn't know was I told them to meet me early, come in comfortable shoes. And I had gotten the travel agent to help me hire musicians there. And we had a second line in Paris across oh the God. bridge over the Seine river. And all these people were looking at us like, what are they doing? And That's I had told the musicians, I told them, I said, look, because now I'm 60. I said, we're older now. So he's like, how long? I said, oh, we're good. About 20 minutes should be good for us. <laughs> they played for an hour. They had a <laughs> Oh, my God. They were having such a great time with us. <laughs> I love that. And I uh, guess who else is turning 60 next year? That would be me. <laughs> and you're giving me a great idea. <laughs> oh, so much fun. We Yes, we have that in common. We have to celebrate. <laughs> oh, that's so good. And, you know, I if I mean, that's the name of my book, 50 Ways to Celebrate yeah. Life After 50, right? Like yeah. you have to celebrate. You have you to. Don't, 
what's the point? Right. Thank you. And you know, I, you know, and I know women who are just like waiting on somebody else to celebrate them. Have your own damn party. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're so right. I had a party for my 40th and I was pleased as punch to have it exactly the way I wanted it. For my 50th, I didn't want to have a party. I just wanted to hang out with my best friend. So we went to a really nice resort in Florida and we had a beautiful balcony overlooking a harbor. And, you know, we had wine and cheese on the patio, on the balcony. And we went to all the little girly shops, went on these little tours. We watched manatees. We went shell, uh, shell hunting. We just had, we just, it was our pace Yeah. And we completed conversations and we wrote them down if we forgot and we picked them up again. (laughs) I love that. It was just lovely. And I I was in the mood for that, you know, and I haven't really started thinking about my 60th yet because, quite frankly, she turned 60 and she said, Now, Susie, it's my 60th next week. Don't forget. And I said, It's your 60th. I thought it was your 59th. I did forget. (laughs) And then I went, Wait. If you turn 60, I'm turning 59. That means I'm turning 60 next yeah. year. <laughs> I, I totally, COVID it's messed me up with the time. I, I just I know I it me too. Yeah, I have to I have to stop and think too. And I and I, you know, and I just I just believe we should celebrate something about ourselves every day. Something, you know, I, you know, one of the things I ask them, okay, what is something that you can connect to that you can celebrate that's just about you. I don't care what it is. Maybe you had a difficult conversation or maybe you finally got the nerve to sign up for some class you've been wanting to take. But, you know, we can be so out of directed. You know, my, you know, my child is doing this or, you know, this has you know, happened at work or whatever. But something that just is only about you. What what can you celebrate in? And I, I just believe celebration is a powerful tool. Um, really quickly, the month of May uh, used to be just such a great month for me because spring was coming. It's Mother's Day um, and it was my mom's birthday. So we would just, you know, celebrate her all month and, you know, just have a good time. And since she hasn't been here month, I started dreading May. Mm. And so this year I was like, okay, you have got to flip this script. So next week, me and my girlfriend are doing a road trip to Asheville, North Carolina. It's a place that I've always wanted to go. It's real artsy and, you know, lots of restaurants. I've heard about it. Yeah, the Biltmore is there and all that. And it was a trip that me and my mom were supposed to take. It got canceled. And so I'm, I'm like, no, this is what I'm May is going to become a month of go somewhere, have a good time and um, celebrate the, the, you know, the life that I had with my mother, the good times that we had together and bring her with me along anyway. So, mm. uh, so yeah, so I'm, I'm flipping that script and we're going to, and my girlfriend, that's going, my best friend, she is just such a hoot. It is going to be probably like an Oprah Gale kind of thing. We're going <laughs> to, I love we're it. We're going to have some experiences. We call ourselves Lucy and Ethel. So it's, oh, a hundred percent, you know, and that's one thing I did. I did highlight when I was taking another look at your book in the chapter trip to surrender, you make a distinction between selfish and self full. Yes. And what you're talking about right now, focusing on what lights you up is yes. self 
full. And I love that. Yes. Because we, you know, we get tagged, you know, when we start focusing on ourselves, we're tagged as being selfish. Yeah. And, you know, you know, okay. Yes. I'm full, full of myself in the best of ways. And, you know, one of the things that I know is that when women really do connect to whatever that is for them, we don't, we, somebody's, we bring other people along. Uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, other people benefit from whatever we land on. So, you know, that selfish thing is so not true. So not true. Oh my gosh. All right. I don't know if it was possible to have more fun than we had, but thank you so much, C. Renee, for being on the Women in the Middle podcast today. I love uh, your story, even though it was so difficult. You're so resilient. You got so much out of the hardship and the shock and the wake up call. Uh, And those lessons by sharing them so intentionally like you do is just so helpful to so many people. So with four journeys, take the trip, four journeys, every midlife woman needs to live in purpose and freedom. Can we find that at all the places? All the places, all the places. And what is your Instagram handle? My Instagram handle is the midlife remix one. Okay. I will have the number one midlife remix number one. Yes. Okay. I will have all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much. It was just amazing to have you here. I, yeah, I just, you know, yeah, I'm you. just so good. I love you, Susie. And I'm just so glad we got to do this. It's a mutual love fest. Thank you so much. Okay. That's it for this episode. Wow. Right. I know you got a lot from hearing C. Renee's story and reflection on the importance of noticing your stress and your resistance to burnout. As she said, stress can kill you. It was definitely a warning and a wake-up call for her. And if you get nothing else from this episode, please remember her story. So good, so compelling. And of course, like we try to do around here in the Women in the Middle podcast, told in a way that's interesting, upbeat, and just really draws you in. It's serious info in a way, you know, that's not too scary to do something about. We don't want you to just get frozen in fear. Now, as you know, my focus as your midlife coach is to help you get unstuck, clear, and excited about your life again. We're all about being more intentional around here. So if you want to get unstuck faster, I would love to be able to help you find that thing you're looking for. I want to invite you to check out the Women in the Middle Academy. It's my six-month coaching program where you get all the support you need to apply what you're learning here in the podcast. But more importantly, You get clear about what you want so you don't have regrets. It's all about coaching, community, and curriculum to move you forward. Don't waste another second feeling stuck. Book your momentum call and we will have a quick chat. Head over to www.womeninthemiddleacademy.com. For show notes and links, head over to www.susierosenstein.com and click the podcast tab and look for episode 257. Thanks so much for listening. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. I'm Susie Rosenstein, and I will talk to you next week.